It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome, here we go, off and running on this Wednesday, halfway through the week, so congratulations to you. We appreciate those that are standing by as we get rolling with a lot to talk about today. We're going to discuss Mike Bobo's hire at Georgia, also Tennessee's basketball, their five wins in the past versus number one teams as Tennessee will play Alabama tonight. Also, is this a must win? For the balls, I hate it when people say that uh, during the regular season, but it does feel like this could turn the tide for sure. Ron Slay, our Wednesday guest, brought to you by Zach England of Best Brock. Zach's got your back, and also Tennessee number six and a ranking that I think is more accurate than a lot of times the AP and certainly the coaches' ranking. Uh, so we'll get to that. Tennessee are they better than Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and or? Alabama, those are teams rated ahead of them in the SB, SP plus ranking. So a lot to get to. And big time Cruton. We talked to Caleb Jaru, who's been knocking it out of the park when it comes to recruiting coverage. You can check it out on Off the Hook Sports. So first, Caleb Calhoun, how are you, sir? I am doing amazing today. How are you, Dave? I'm well. It's funny that um, uh, some people, I think, uh, kind of uh, took unkindly to one of our videos where we talked about Tennessee trying to drum up interest or excitement or optimism with the checkered Thompson bowling, which they're going to try to do tonight. And uh, a couple of people took issue with that. What's what's your take on that reaction? I mean, they can take issue with it, but they, they didn't, there's no denying the facts we didn't you know we weren't the we weren't the reason that tennessee decided last minute to check her thompson on a monday before a wednesday game when they were on a two-game losing streak having lost three or four all to unranked teams so it's not our fault it's not our fault that there was fan apathy before the last four games it's also not our fault that 
quite honestly, this is one of those boring basketball teams to watch. Yep. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I, I think it's to I think it's to hype the team up to try to change the trend of the way Tennessee's been playing lately. And you're right, it is kind of a boring team to watch. But in the end, if Tennessee's able to make a Final Four with this boring style, everybody will be okay with it. So we'll see how things shake out against Alabama tonight. Ron Slay will give us a complete breakdown with the SEC Network and 104.5 The Zone. So certainly looking forward to that. And let's go ahead and get into it. So Tennessee hires from within to replace their offensive coordinator and Joey Halsey. And then they hire from within – to replace a tight ends coach, was which was made vacant both positions by Alex Golish, who went to South Florida. They go Alec Ablin. Well, Georgia, Tennessee's nemesis in the SEC East, somewhat kind of sort of did the same thing. They went to Mike Bobo, who had a history at Georgia, but they do go outside the current staff, and they hire Mike Bobo. Your take first, Caleb. I'm not blown away by this hire whatsoever. Yeah, I am. Um, I was reading Georgia Twitter yesterday, and they seem way more encouraged than, quite honestly, I thought they would be with this hire. Um, I think this hire is, I think it's a bad hire, honestly. Georgia fans are looking at what Mike Bobo did, his Mark Rick's fourth, third, and second to last year is 2012, 2013, and 2014. Um, I need to remind Georgia fans that, uh, those three years are the only successful offensive years Mike Bobo's ever had running any offense at any place ever. He had Todd Gurley those three years, which was a transcendently great running back. I know Todd Gurley got hurt in 2014, but then Nick Chubb came in. More importantly, though, the most important fact I need to bring up, the SEC East was horrible during that time. I can't stress how bad the East was during that time. The only good defensive coach in the SEC East during that time was Will Muschamp and Georgia never scored more than 23 points against Florida when Will Muschamp was coaching at Florida and Boba was offensive coordinator. So I don't know where they think this is that good of a hire. He spent five years at Colorado state. That's Colorado state. That's a group of five school. If you're an offensive mind at a group of five school, that's usually where you're destined to put up like otherworldly numbers. Never had a top 25 offense, had a couple of offenses outside of the top 100 went to South Carolina to be Will Muschamp's offensive coordinator for a year. Will Muschamp got fired after that year, was at Auburn, Brian Harson's first year, had like a top, an offense outside of the top 60. I don't know. I don't know how you could look at just those three years, 2012, 2013, and 2014, and ignore the rest of Mike Bobo's body of work and think this is a good hire. I, I think Tennessee fans should be very, very happy that Georgia made this hire. It was a lot like Saban a few years ago to me, and that is Kirby Smart says, I'll handle the defense, just don't mess it up on offense. In this day and age, I don't know that you can do that. I don't think you can do that. I think you've got to be aggressive offensively. And we see Nick Saban went the Lane Kiffin direction to open up the offense. Now he's backtracked a little bit with his most recent hire, Tommy Reese from Notre Dame. That's going to be more of a pro-style offense. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, This is a hire that Tennessee fans uh, should be happy with as a whole, and Tennessee fans should like this hire. Listen, Georgia's going to continue to play great defense under Kirby Smart. There's no question about that. But at some point, I believe Tennessee is going to play complementary defense at the very least to its offense. And once that happens, who do you like in this matchup? I I like Tennessee trending not to win every year, but at least to be able to win one of three, 50%, somewhere in that realm. 
And with the college football playoff coming up, you, you don't have to go undefeated anymore to make the college football playoff. But to ultimately beat them, I think Tennessee is in a much better position with Mike Bobo there. You look at what he did throughout his career. He was at Colorado State. Things didn't go well there. He was at South Carolina under Shane Beamer. I'm not exactly sure. He was there with the previous coach, transferred with Shane Beamer. Not exactly sure what happened there, but he left after a year to go to Auburn. That's Brian Harson's offense. So you might be an offensive coordinator in name, but that's Brian Harson's offense. I, I covered them pretty closely for Saturday down south. I just don't know if you're a Georgia fan and, and post on the message board if, if you're watching this video, not now or even later, but explain to me how this is a good hire because I just don't see it at all. Yeah, and let's rather than look at the success he did have, which is minimal, let's look at what he didn't do with some really good talent. I mean, he had, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he have Matthew Stafford and AJ Green on the same team one year? Yes. And, and I think that would have been 2008 when Georgia started the year ranked number um, ranked number one. And yeah, I'm looking at it now. He had Matthew Stafford and AJ Green up for a year, and the offense averaged was outside of the top 25. It was 29th in the nation. Not bad, but if you got Matthew Stafford throwing to A.J. Green, I think you should expect a top 10 offense, shouldn't you? And particularly when Mark Rick himself is actually an offensive guru, that's what Mark Rick was known for. And Totally agree. Now, let me play the other side for just a second. Please hit that like button if you haven't already. If you're on board, we appreciate it. Good morning, Travis. And go ahead and subscribe if you haven't, because the channel continues to grow, and we're having a great time, and we're going to bring you more and more content I mentioned a couple of uh, great regular guests that are going to be on board with us. But let me play the other side for a second. And I'm not saying I believe this, Caleb, but I love playing devil's advocate. I love playing devil's advocate on arguments, and I love going to extremes in arguments. So the devil's advocate side of me says, well, Mike Bobo and now Alabama have pro-style systems. So they are more pro-style than Tennessee. And at some point, Tennessee quarterback prospects and receiver prospects are going to look at the Vols and say to themselves, this is not necessarily a pro-style offense. This is an offense where I can rack up a bunch of yards, be a superstar, and that's all well and good. But at the end of the day, am I learning how to run the seven routes on a passing tree? Maybe not. So let me make that argument to you. Caleb, Mike Bobo is a great hire, and so is Tommy Reese at Alabama because they run pro-style offenses that will better prepare those players that go to those schools for the NFL than Tennessee, you say? I say just because someone runs a pro-style offense doesn't automatically mean they're going to prepare you for the NFL. It depends on how they've evolved their pro-style offense. Tommy Reese, you have a case for. I actually think Tommy Reese could. That's a David Cutcliffe versus Steve Spurrier in the 90s situation. You play for David Cut, you play for Steve Spurrier, you're going to put up other god, you know, ungodly numbers. But you, you play for David Cutcliffe, you're going to be coached on how to play in the NFL. Um, and I think you could make that case with Tommy Reese versus Josh Heupel. I don't think you can make that case with Mike Bobo because the difference is Tommy Reese coached under Brian Kelly. So he kind of understands certain he, – he understands the nuances of running a creative offense – in college football, and he applies that to his pro style. Similar to what Todd Munkin did with Georgia. You know, Todd Munkin coached under Mike Gundy. Um, he spent time in the NFL. So Todd Munkin had a variety of different backgrounds to understand how the college football game, you have to have a bit of a creative mind. Mike Bobo 
has never really, I mean, let's be honest. Will Muschamp brought Mike Bobo in because Will Muschamp did not want a creative mind on offense. He never really wanted any creativity on offense. <laughs> and that's why he brought in Mike Bobo. And so I think that that's where the problem is. And the other thing I would add is, I don't think it's as crucial to the, to play for the coach that developed you best for the NFL nowadays as it was in the 90s. And the reason I say that is because I think NFL teams have kind of evolved and NFL offenses have kind of evolved to be able to allow players to maximize what they can do, not try to force them to do something they can't do. It happens in high school first, and it filters up. It's one of the rare things in sports that filters up. So the offense that you're seeing in the NFL right now with guys running around and Lamar Jackson and those type of offense, th- those were happening actually in high school. Uh, 10, 15 years ago. So then it filters up to college. It filters up to the NFL. I'm going to keep playing devil's advocate, though, okay? I had a quarterback coach tell me that he worked with um, a quarterback's footwork that had worked with Josh Heupel, and he actually improved him as a player, he believed, based off the newfound footwork, that the footwork that is involved in just a one-step read, you're not resetting your feet constantly, think of Peyton Manning, that he was throwing the ball better because he was resetting his feet. I had a quarterback coach tell me that. Again, devil's advocate. You're saying a quarterback coach said that he was throwing the ball better after not playing for Josh Heupel? Or that- he was working with a quarterback that's that played for Josh Heupel. And uh-huh. that he turned him into a better thrower, but they reworked it back because they wanted it to fit their system and just make that one read on the safety that you and I've talked about. That that was told to me by a quarterback coach. He said he improved the footwork, but that's not what Josh Heupel liked. Okay, but I mean, if that's the case, I mean, you can improve it again. I mean, we I, we've Aaron Rodgers. We know this. Um, you know, he played in Jeff Tepford's offense, and Jeff Tepford was kind of like a Josh Heupel, where he just he's a runs a system maximizes his quarterback play they had to rework Aaron Rodgers they sent him to a camp I think for like three years to rework his footwork and then he turned into a Hall of Fame quarterback I I, I think I think that's something you can easily rectify when a player gets to the NFL I don't think Josh Heupel coaches you to a certain I don't think he coaches you to pick up bad habits that you can't undo with just one all season of, of training I mean Patrick Mahomes ran the air raid in college and Patrick Mahomes I mean like as you know the air raid is also a quick drop and quick read and that's it and and I, Patrick Mahomes doesn't do that anymore in Andy Reid's system. It didn't take it, it. He needed one year. He needed one year to sit behind Alex Smith and learn an Andy Reid system. And then he became a, I mean, he's on track right now to maybe become the greatest quarterback of all time. So yep. I think that, I think if you can play, you'll develop. And I, I think that again, the, the, it, I, I don't buy that really, really, really bad habits are impossible to fix. It, with a little bit of time and I, I've learned I've seen that with a lot of quarterbacks over the years I think you may need to sit out a year I don't think you can you know Peyton Manning was developed well enough where you could allow him to struggle his rookie season I don't think you can do that with every quarterback I think some need to sit out a year and learn certain fundamentals and techniques but okay a year is, is that is that really a big loss no and I want to be clear too these aren't bad habits these are just different habits I mean right. these are the you know uh, Tommy Franklin going way back to Nebraska. You know, he, Frazier. He, Frazier, excuse me. He, um, that's, that's what he ran, and he did it great. Was that a great transfer to the NFL? No. But what you said about the NFL changing as well is uh, very pertinent. Portions of the program brought to you by Andy Mason Real Estate. Go to andymasonrealestate.com. Two tenants to his business, and that is, number one, the best service. Number two, the best prices. Don't make a mistake that's going to cost you thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. Go to Andy Mason 
realestate.com over 40 years of experience in the real estate biz right there in North Knoxville. He can handle all of your real estate needs. Go ahead and click that like button if you haven't subscribed yet. We want you to do that. All right, here we go. The conversation that always crops up in February that honestly is kind of stupid, but we're going to have it right now. It's tonight a must win for the Vols. Number one, Alabama season seems to be slightly going off the rails. Is it a must win? I'm going to say... I'm going to say yes. Oh, here you let, go. Let, let me explain why. Tennessee's got a – I don't think people understand how brutal the rest of Tennessee's schedule is. I talked about it yesterday. You could feasibly see them go one and five down the stretch. It's a rough, rough schedule. Um, Alabama is probably their fourth hardest game. Alabama at home is probably their fourth hardest game because, Dave, as you know, I don't know why, but I feel like college basketball is the one sport where home court – being at home matters the most more than any other sport. And I think that Alabama playing at Tennessee, they have a chance to win. Tennessee has a chance to win a better chance to beat Alabama than they do Auburn on the road, Kentucky on the road, Texas A&M on the road. I, I think they have to win this game mainly because there's no championship involved anymore. I don't think they can win the sec anymore, but you got to have some sort of momentum going into the NCAA tournament. Okay. There are no must wins right now. You, you don't, the season is not over. A must win is when you're in the NCAA tournament. So, but a must show is where I'll, I'll let this lie. You got to show up. You got to play the number one team well at home. You've got to absolutely show up. If Tennessee plays flat, as I believe they have, I don't think it's just a style issue. I think this team has not found itself. And ultimately, if this team can't do that, then you've got a real issue. If they can't do it pretty quickly, you've got a real issue. So Tennessee, I think it's a must show. They're not going to lose out on anything if they lose tonight. If they get beat on another 40-footer at the buzzer and they played the number one team in the nation really well, hey, I can I could roll with that if I'm a Tennessee fan out there. Um, if, if they show up and they get beat by 16, 18 points and their offense looks like sludge as it has for much of the – season and especially the past two weeks then i think there is real real reason for concern on a thursday morning i agree i agree i think um this team is starting to remind me and it shouldn't because this team is significantly more talented and we're gonna have ron slay on soon and i'll talk to him about this but that remember Buzz peterson's first team where i feel like tennessee lost like seven games while last second shots that year it was crazy there was a Louisville game where they were up by six with 30 seconds to go and Reese Gaines banks in like three threes. Um, and you're, you're starting to feel like this Tennessee team has that just bad juju, bad luck. Yeah, no, it, it, it does feel a little bit like that. I think they're in their own heads. And I want to ask Ron Slay about that. And I just the the identity aspect that they haven't found that yet. But listen, if you, you you've really heightened the stakes, if, if you're Danny White by doing this checkerboard thing. And um, listen, I love the checkerboard thing. If it's planned out and you do it for every Kentucky game and every Alabama game, I'm all for it. But doing it for this seems to just raise the stakes a little bit. And it doesn't raise the stakes in a good way. If Tennessee wins, they're supposed to win at home. I mean, they're a top 10 team. So you should beat even the number one team at home, at home. 
So, and they were number two, just what, 10 days ago. So you should beat that team at home. However, if you lose tonight, then you've lost to the number one team. You're likely could drop in the rankings a little bit further. Listen, they're at 10 and, and right now, I don't know where they go if they have to have two. If they have to have two points late in the game, Caleb, where do they go? Yeah, we've been talking about that for a while. And, I, you know, we thought for a while it would be Santi Vescovi, but, I mean, there's a clutch issue with Santi. I'm sorry, there just is. And you talk about things being in your head. If you allow things to get into your head, then you don't have the clutch gene. You have it or you don't. And and if you don't have it, then it's scary to go to a guy like Santi. Um you would think maybe Julian Phillips is the five star, but he really hasn't exerted himself this year. And now he's banged up. But I, I don't think any of us really trust Zakai. I think has the clutch gene. I think Zakai plays hard, but he also plays reckless. So I don't know if you want him the ball in his hands in the last minute or thirty seconds. Um, so I, I agree. I don't know. I don't know who it is, who that guy is, and and, and uh, again, the bigs just have. The bigs are not drawing the attention they need to draw to themselves. They're not, people aren't scared of them. And, you know, inside out basketball is a problem when your outside game can't shoot and your inside game can't draw attention. <laughs> that takes away the whole point of inside out basketball. No, it absolutely does. Some key matchups that you'll be watching tonight. Is there anything in, in particular that, that stands out to you? We've kind of addressed uh, Tennessee, uh, nine players with double-digit minutes. Um, They still have to find their rotation, which is odd to have as of February the 15th. Um, As far as tempo, how do you see this game shaking out? What are the keys to the game? I think um, the key is can Tennessee, you just said it, can they keep up with Alabama's tempo? They're going to run full court, and they're going to play fast, and can Tennessee hang? I mean, I think Rick Barnes has done a little bit better going small ball the last couple of weeks. Um, I don't think this is a game where you put Plavchik on the floor that much. You, they, he wasn't on the floor much last week. I don't think he's going to be on the floor much um, in this one. Although the question is, I, I, you know, on the other side, you would you would hope that Rick Barnes would have the team where he could put his bigs in and force Alabama to play Tennessee's game and play slow. But quite honestly, when Tennessee forces teams to play their game, no one really has a problem playing that game because they're not that much of a threat with their half-court offense. No, it's a great point. Go ahead and hit that like button. Hit the subscribe if you haven't done it to this point. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Hahn, Vision Center, and they do it right. Whether you're talking about LASIK or cataract surgery or just regular uh, eye care, Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Hahn, they are absolutely fantastic. And uh, pass wins versus number one teams. Tennessee has been able to uh, do that before. And, uh, Caleb, there are some notable ones. Which ones would you throw out there as ones that stand out to you? Uh, Under Rick Barnes, they beat Gonzaga about three years ago. That was the best team Tennessee has had under Rick Barnes with Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams. The one I remember the most is when they upset number one Kansas in 2010, I think, with Bruce Pearl. Tennessee had had four players get suspended. Their best player, Tyler Smith, dismissed from the team because of running around with an unregistered weapon in a car. And they were starting walk-ons in that game. And Kansas was was undefeated, came to Knoxville, and Tennessee shocked them. And that was – that's probably one of the most memorable ones. The other one that, that we all remember is number two versus number one, Tennessee-Memphis 2008, in-state rivalry basketball, two versus one matchup. Tennessee beats Memphis at Memphis. The, that was 
that 2008, the two Bruce Pearl years when they beat number one teams are probably the two best they've ever had. Good stuff. Coming up, Ron Slay will join us. Always love visiting with Ron. We'll get his insight with 104.5 The Zone and the SEC Network. Back in two minutes, he's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This is Off the Explorers. Family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Inflation has risen to the highest level in over 40 years, according to the April 2022 U.S. Inflation Calculator. Will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement? Are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation? Simply stated, if the cost of goods and services are 8% higher and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today. Hey folks, Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalists for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at CCTIs. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the program. Ron Slay to join us very shortly. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. And Caleb, we were talking about some of the all-time 
big wins in Tennessee basketball versus uh, number one team. Um, you you refer to the Memphis one, correct? Yes, I did. That was um, man. That ended up being such a monumentally important game, and I remember how much that was covered. Do you remember the pregame hype going up against? That was unbelievable. Oh yeah, I, I mean that was um, it was so great for the state of Tennessee at the time. I mean. Not just Tennessee number two, Memphis number one um, in Memphis, but for let's not for, forget Memphis had the clear cut number one draft pick that year in Derrick Rose and Bruce Pearl and John Calipari in Tennessee together. I mean, basketball was never more fun than when those two guys were going at each other. They're the two most, whatever you think of them as coaches or people, they are the most entertaining play to the media coaches you could ever ask for. <laughs> and they both did that, and the most underrated part about that is how great the state of Tennessee was in basketball at that time was Tennessee beats Memphis that Saturday, and then they go and lose to Vanderbilt that Tuesday because Vanderbilt had a really good team that year in uh, with Shan Foster and Kevin Stallings. That was probably his best team at Vanderbilt. Portions of the program brought to you by Bassey Lawn and Garden Man Alive. It's worth the drive. Bassey Lawn and Garden Industrial Mowers, they've got them commercial as well. Residential, if you're in the if you're looking for industrial or commercial mowers and you're in Knoxville, Nashville, or Chattanooga, you should give Bassey Lawn and Garden a call. Not only Toro, but they've got industrial mowers. Toro, count on it. And the thing about Bassey Lawn and Garden is uh, they're able to buy in such quantity, they'll get you a better price. So, man alive, it's worth the drive, and it definitely is with uh, Bassey Lawn and Garden. So, Joe asking us on our message board, what does Tennessee do well at this point? Well, I mean, they're still the number one team in the nation in defense, right? Yeah, they still play great defense. Um, yeah. That Missouri game, it shouldn't be held against them defensively. I've said all year, a team shoots red hot from three. There is no such thing as a defense that can stop it. Golden State has figured that out. Great offense always beats great defense in basketball. It's no. the reverse of football. No, it typically does, and that's with the three-point line. I, I mean, as a whole, I think basketball scoring is up a little bit too much, um, but – yeah, they're not asking me to. They're not asking well, you know, me it, to change that. In the mid two thousands, in the NBA in particular, it actually dipped some because remember when they brought in the zone defense in two thousand two because nobody could, you couldn't have man to man and 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 stop Shaq. It just wasn't possible, and so they finally allowed zone defense in the NBA, and so the scoring actually went down, but now it's gone back up, particularly because of load management too, where they um you rest players throughout the year and they're, they're a lot fresher in the playoffs. I mean, during the Michael Jordan years, people forget because it was, we remember the game winners, those NBA finals games were bad. I mean, that last game against Utah, it was an 87 to 86 slugfest. <laughs> and that's, it, it was because everybody's legs were drained by the end of the year. Let's bring Ron Slay in here. Ron, the man brought to you by our friend Zach England at best and brought personal injury attorney that can go toe to toe. With the insurance company's attorneys, Zach's got your back. Zach England of Best and Brock. Good morning, Ron. How are you? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's happening, fellas? How y'all doing? Oh, well, you're working all the time, man. You were yeah. out busting it last night, too. You are absolutely hammering it. No days off, baby. No days off for the week and the weary, man. Got to keep pushing. Gotta keep pushing. <laughs> Follow Ron at the Ron Slade. Check him out on 104.5 The Zone. And we were just asking about this uh, checkered Nealon, or I'm sorry, checker Thompson bowling thing. 
Football so season is over, Dave. I'm sorry. You're in basketball season. You know me. I'm reading about prospects for 2025. <laughs> uh, but, Ron, checkering Thompson bowling, do the players notice that? Does that put any more pressure on them? I mean, they didn't do that when you were there, but do you think it has any effect at all? Nah, no pressure. I think it's more so it's, it's cool for the fans to feel involved in the game. I think it's something for the um for the opposing team to worry about and look at when they come in. And, you know, I think it's, it's – you know, it's, it's unity. It's, it's showing everybody's moving in the same direction. Everybody's cheering on. We know where the home home court lies, and um, I, I think it just. But you get my thing with it is you got to give them something to cheer for. Like you, you gotta you gotta go out there and deliver. And it doesn't mean you put any extra effort into it. But man, you don't want to let the home crowd down. I mean, you've done it done it once against Kentucky. Then you did it against Missouri. Getting beat at the buzzer. So. Another opportunity, man, to set the record straight, man, and, and give the home crowd something to fight for. So I, I love it. I love the idea of it. And I think it's just a little bit of sprinkling trickle over and uh, trickled over from football. And I think it's great. Ron, um, do do heartbreak losses like last week start to get in players' heads? I remember your fir- y'all's first year under Buzz Peterson. I feel like y'all lost every game by last second shots. And it yeah. seemed like you kind of knew at some point that the that you were just going to get bad luck. Does that start to creep in players' heads some? Yeah, I think so. And then I, I also believe um, <laughs> when you're in it, it's kind of hard to, you know, kind of grasp it. But when you're watching it from afar, it's like, dude, this just keeps happening. I do think the one thing we kept on looking forward to um, was, especially the next year, was like uh, when we were waiting on it that, that year, like, man, at some point we got to get the breaks because we're out here playing hard, like, yeah, we shoot ourselves in the foot sometimes, but, man, ain't nobody getting breaks like this, man, like back-to-back buzzer beaters. So at some point, man, you just know. And I and I, I think the difference with this team, too, is you got more of a veteran bunch, you know, and um, so you understand um, how to plug away. You know, that's, that's what's supposed to be. <laughs> You're supposed to have a veteran bunch and experienced guys that kind of plug away and can always go back to the drawing board and do details and and work their way up to getting victories. And I think this bunch should be able to do that. Like, you got some seniors out there leading this group. They should be able to, even with Zakai being a sophomore who's well beyond his years right now, should be able to get this group on task and following the, the, the right method to get a victory. At this point in the season, Ron, a, a lot of Tennessee fans would like to see Tennessee just open it up under Rick Barnes, start running and, and all that sort of thing. I Is that really realistic, though? You can't just suddenly change who you are mid-February, can you? No, it's going to be difficult. <laughs> it's it's going to be difficult to do. I think um, one thing I think that can happen, um, I think they can extend pressure on their own a little bit. But you got to – by doing that, um, I'm saying, so if, if they're waiting at half court, which Tennessee is a great half court defense. If Zakai was to pick up three-quarter court, you got to show that you can do this without fouling in the backcourt. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure Rick didn't tell him to, hey, man, when they inbound the ball, get up there and pressure him 94 feet. Zakai felt that, in the, like he felt the momentum shifting and felt guys, the crowd getting into it, and he took it upon himself to go up there and be like, okay, I'm going to pick up. He's all good with that until you show that you can't do that. So I got to protect you from yourself. So I got to make everybody get back. I'm sure they would love to play with um, pace. He would love to play with pace a lot. But 
do they play well with pace? That's the question, you know. And so a lot of times you got to protect the team from themselves. Um, what happens when you're pushing it in transition? Julian Phillips starts getting charges because he thinks it's his open court, you know, him being a freshman. Um, it's, it's so many different things that you can go with, and it's all up to the players to prove that they can do that. If you're going to take that into your own hands, prove it. Like, I know we used to press um, on our own, you know. And, um, oh, but really? It, it, yeah, it used to always come out. And um, because we used to feel like, man, come on, man, we got to turn it up a little bit. And that was the way we turn it up. So but we also trusted everybody that was coming into the game to be able to do the same thing. Um, And and that was just the players um, feeling. We would always see Isaiah. Isaiah jumped on the ball on out of bounds. We were like, oh, well, I guess we're about to press right here. Everybody else falling in line because he wasn't running back. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So is there, uh, I said this earlier this week, Ron, I want to know what your thoughts are. Cause you know, I've been the, I've been the gloating, talking trash, talking down Tennessee <laughs> basketball for about three weeks, but I actually gave, had a, I saw silver lining from the Missouri game on Saturday, which was what I said was I was worried for a while that Tennessee, if a team was just firing lights out on all cylinders from outside, Tennessee would get run out of the building. They didn't get run out of the building. They should have mm-hmm. won that game. Is that, am I reading too much positivity into that? Or, or do you think there is a silver lining in that? No, I think it is a silver lining. I think it is. Um, it's a, a good sign that you see a team that can play with desperation. I think this is probably only the second time we've seen this group, um, especially getting getting blown out the way they were, be able to fight back and show that they can take the lead. And um, like you said, could have should have walked away with that game. I think the other sign, other game was Arizona at Arizona, even though the score didn't get that far of a margin. You did get to see this team get down, fight back, get down, fight back, and then take the lead and kind of, you know, almost put it away. But I think it's good. Uh, that's good going forward to be able to see that in different instances. And um, I think you spot on. Like, you got to take something out of it, especially on buzzer beaters. It's because it, it, it's as bad as it was for Santi to miss the free throws, Toby to step in, Zakai to be out of the game right then. Man, you you got to understand like that was your game. Like, I mean, yes, Missouri got the win, but they really didn't beat you. Like you really beat yourself. And I, I, me personally, I can live with that much, much more than um, what Alabama did to Vanderbilt or Oklahoma did to Alabama. You know what I'm saying? Like a blowout is, you just got, man, you just got handled. And this is like, we got to go back. Let's watch this film. Let's watch how soft we were. This, that, and other, that, uh, a long shot, almost half court. Uh, man, that good job. You know what I mean? Tip your cap. Let's get back to work. Did you see the uh, quote? It's from Dave Matter at the St. Saint, uh, Louis Free Press. And he overheard a, a Missouri player supposedly say to Visco, he said, uh, you, you'll miss this one. You missed the one in the last game. Yeah. Does that sort of stuff actually get under your skin or in your head at all? I mean, I would try it. I would try it. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm almost, I almost definitely would. Like, um, but I, I think, see, this is the different, the different in mindset. Because if he would have did it to me, I like, I would have told him, well, you know, I'm gonna make it. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, not ignored it or anything. I said, well, you know, I'm gonna make it. The difference is, y'all got the same colors on, and I'm at home this time. I'm making these shots. You know what I mean? This ain't Vanderbilt. They got some tricky going down there. Y'all ain't got no tricks up here in Thompson Bowling. We the tricksters. 
You know what I'm saying? It's like I would have did something. Like it's no way. The referee probably would have told us, hey man, y'all cut it out, cut it out. You know, something, but no, you're not just talking to me like that. It, and kudos to Santi just trying to go about his business, but gotta have a, a, a cocky arrogance to yourself, you know what I'm saying? To, to kind of get yourself out of there so you're not thinking about it. You know what I'm saying? You go in your routine and you you get to doing what you do, you take your dribbles, you follow through, and you knock it down, and you're able to live with it, man. I, I've had a situation like that as a pro where um I missed um, a shot and then was able to get back into that situation. And we beat Georgia Armani's team like it was a derby. So it was kind of like a rival game. And um, I, I I missed the first one. And one of the guys said something to me. And it was it was so weird. Like I started seeing like little spots, you know, <laughs> like little spots. So I walked away from the line and came back, you know what I mean, and started talking. And I was like, okay, let me get back into my rhythm. And ended up making it. We won the game. So you, you got to do whatever makes you comfortable, man. You got to have some kind of arrogance and, and cockiness about yourself, man, because you do this all the time. And can't nobody talk you out of the game. You've been playing too long for somebody to talk you out your game. Well, you you internalized it. Had a had a great answer there, but on the outside, as an analyst, are you concerned about Tennessee's clutch gene? Given what you said. No, I'm not, just because we've seen it before. We saw it with Josiah last year in the Texas game when Josiah missed that three-point. It was pretty much the same same thing. Um, didn't happen two games in a row like it did with Santi, but it did happen in the Texas game. He missed it for them to get the win, wide open on the wing. All we heard about leading up to after that was guys picking him up, telling Josiah, man, we'll love you shoot that shot again. That's kind of the same thing you got going on with Santi right here. And you saw the run that Tennessee went on after losing that game at Texas. So maybe this is a rallying cry for the team to come together, block out all the noise, and depend on each other and get back to that 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 bond that they have and, and just push for each other and, and, and just keep going. So that's what I'm looking for because I, I believe we've seen this before in last year, and it's different when people rallying around Santi this year instead of Josiah. The problem is, um, will Josiah and those guys be out there? Do you see this? Um, do you see the final six games here? Do you look at it as an opportunity, or uh, oh no, this is going to be brutal for Tennessee because they start with the number one team in the country. They still got to visit Auburn. They've got to visit yep. Kentucky. They've got to visit um, at Texas A&M, who you accurately called last week is the most dangerous team in the SEC outside of Alabama right now. Serious, hey, serious man. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't look at it as dangerous. I look at it as a, like you said, opportunity because the way the parity is in college basketball. You have no earthly idea who's going to win night in and night out outside of, it seems, Alabama um, since the Houston loss. Uh, I say Houston. Um, since the Oklahoma loss, but you see Purdue go down. You see Arizona. Like, everybody's just up and down, up and down. And um, so week in and week out, you get an opportunity to prove. You know, it may not be one game. It may be two, you know. So um, I think everything is ahead of them, and they control their own destiny, like literally. You know, the first thing – first and i think you gotta um narrow it down as you want to get that you get the first round i mean the first two buys going into the sec tournament and you build on it the way you did last year focus in on those games when you three get your championship move on and then you start to reset your goals so i think week by week they understand man that they have a challenge and it's not just them everybody has a challenge because now the way vanderbilt is peaking um every, <laughs> they that's not a that's not a pushover them so i think they got more on their plate than um, 
a team like Kentucky has more on their plate than the Tennessee does. Tennessee's in a really great position right now, um, especially with everybody else losing and you being able to tread water until you get a victory, and this will be a big, big one tonight. All right, Ron, I'm going to transition real quick because I'm a hardcore Grizzlies fan, and I just got to ask you, is John Morant talking a little too much? Because ever since he said he's not worried about anybody in the West, he hasn't been doing that well against the West. See, that's the thing, man. See, see, that's the thing. You got to you got to be careful and mindful of what you throw out there because it's people that are listening. <laughs> and if you yeah. ain't worried, you know what I mean? I, I think he should be, um, if not worried, he should be um, – peeking out of his window when he's home safe i guess you can call it where yeah he's, he's in his home confines and, and peeking out the window but man dude the west they went loaded up like they, they got to it and it's gonna be interesting to see how they bounce back especially with them losing the games the way they are is that ain't a good look that ain't a good look and this is a, it's a it's a league man the nba goes up and down and you go on runs and it's a long long season um, and you don't want to give any team motiv- motivation. You know what I'm saying? Because those are teams that hold on, especially veteran teams that can get to the playoffs. You know they can get to the playoffs, and all they got to do is get there healthy, and it could be a problem. So, yeah, I do think he's talking just a little bit because everybody's not Ja. Everybody can't on your team cannot go respond the way you can. They're not going to have the ball in, your, in their hands, able to do some acrobatic stuff and go out there and score 30 and 10. Everybody can't do that, Josh. Some of the people, man, that's getting 14 or 15 right now, that's going to drop down to eight because they're on high alert walking in there on y'all. So going to be tough, man. You got to play the game. It's fun while you're on top, man. But at some point, the rabbit always get the gun. (laughs) (laughs) Be sure to hit that like button. Uh, If you haven't subscribed, do that. Uh, we love visiting with Ron, brought to you by Zach England, the best Brock Zach's got your back. What's the worst you've ever been dunked on? Because John, oh, Morant, John Morant can dunk on some dudes. Yeah, I actually never got caught with that, man. So my motto was, um, if you go, I'm telling you, I, I think I may I may have got blindsided my last year plan. I went to help somebody, and the guy didn't even dunk on me. He just, I, was in the, I was definitely in the picture, though, but – I made that a point, man, all my entire career from high school on. If I'm going to go up and I'm going to contest, which I know a lot of people get dunked on, you got to feel my body first. So if you dunk on me, that means you're going to hit me, jump through me, and go and finish, and it's going to be nasty. Like everybody <laughs> in the world going to hear about it. It, it wasn't likely, man. That, and that's – nah, uh-uh. You, nah, I'm going to meet you before you get up in the air. I know I'm coming with a lot of force. It ain't happening, Dave. I, I'm <laughs> – it's not happening, Dave. I, I'm telling you, I prided myself. I was the dunker on. I was dunking on people. I wouldn't. I can't get people dunking on me. <laughs> no, smart. I, I can't. I, I can't remember how many years. But last year was the or yesterday was the anniversary. I can't remember how many years of Vincent Yarbrough getting dunked on by Kobe's crazy 360. Do you remember that? Yeah. See, now let me tell you this too. If I would have made it to that level, that's a different <laughs> level. Now, I did – I'll talk to Coach John Brady, um, who does radio for LSU, um, yesterday. And he was coaching when I was there. So, he had Strohmeyer Swift and um, Jabari Smith. Uh, they had a mob down at LSU at the time when we were playing. And that was the closest I came. And that's part of the reason why I said I'd never get dunked on. So, Strohmeyer Swift, I had him outside of the block. Yeah, yeah. 
So I'm seeing him do that all season. I mean, he's going crazy with it. I'm like, hey, man, this man here, this man here out of his mind, man. So, my bad. I'm like, this man is out of his mind, man. So he goes and takes off. I got him on the block. They give it to him in the post. I got my, my forearm on him. He can't go nowhere. I know the move he's trying to do. He's going to do a hook, a hook shot baseline. Instead of doing a hook shot, this man just jumped straight up in the air, <laughs> turned, and tried to extend over me. So I pushed him, and he missed the dunk, but they called the foul. And immediately right then, I said, hey, Stroke, no, nah, man, this is not what we about to do. Like, first of all, that was so freakish. I didn't know what to do with this man. I ain't never had nobody try to jump over me vertically in one spot, not a running start. The man's back was to the basket. He jumped up, turned in the air, and tried to extend. I said, no, nah, man. You must be crazy, dog. I, right then, right then, I said, "Now nah, I'm putting my weight on everybody, everybody." So now, Stromile Swift taught me a lot in that miss dunk. <laughs> the the Kobe dunk. I don't that care was, who you are. There's nothing that Vincent could have done. That's what I'm telling you. Like it's, it's man, them athletes, man, that make it to the NBA, man, are totally different, man. Like. The acrobatic stuff that they do is, and it happens so quick. You can't time it or anything. It just happens. Like, who thought Kobe was going to go around his back and dunk? I don't think Kobe knew that. I <laughs> yeah. think I, I swear. I think when he did it, it there's a look because I watched it yesterday, and there's a look of almost surprise. Like, did I just do that? Yeah, it, it is, and that that's being caught up in the game. And I remember talking to Vince about it. And Vince was like, "It was Kobe." Like, look. <laughs> Like what was what was? What, it, I'm telling you right now. I know Vince. I know Vince's attitude, man. If that man would have been coming head on, man, Vince would have pushed that man out the air, man. And Vince is athletic enough to go up there and go get it. You know, this, Vince is freakish athletic too. Yes. So, yeah, man, that COVID just different type of dude. Vince, I'm, younger. Younger. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Caleb. I was going to say it's smart what you're saying, Rob, because I'm I'm a lot younger than both of y'all. So I didn't watch Patrick oh, Ewing man. and. His- than his prime in his prime a lot younger no <laughs> no i'm saying i didn't get to watch patrick ewing in his prime and i know he's a hall of famer but all i know of patrick ewing really my first thought is him getting dunked on by scotty oh, Pippen. oh yeah yeah and this, but see so, that's the thing man when you're a shot blocker people remember so the older you get which pat at that time even though he was in his prime he was he was getting older a little bit and i go scotty would have did that in college or when he first got in the league Patrick would have wiped the floor with him. Like, when you talking about a seven-footer that could jump? Hey, Caleb, this man, his head was at the rim every single time. Every time. Pat Ewing was, he was different, man. So, yeah, Pippen, he got him. He got the old age pad a little bit on that one. Vincent also talked a little trash to Michael Jordan. Do you remember that? I don't know, but I know Vince will. Yeah, he was with the Wizards, and Michael Jordan was kind of the end of his career, and Michael yeah. Jordan was having a quiet game, and I'd read where – um, you know, Vince said he talked a little trash and Jordan reeled off about 26 straight points at that age and said, you watch me play. I didn't watch you play growing up. Probably true. <laughs> <laughs> All like the true. <laughs> like it's some people that's different, man. They take that motor, that, that momentum and motivation, boy, and ooh, they can do something different with it. I ain't poking the bear, man. I'm keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> Not those, those different bears, too. Those are... <laughs> Man, the, the average bear. <laughs> it ain't Yogi. Ron, we love you, man. Have a blessed day and don't work too hard. All right, I'm going to sleep.
See you, brother. <laughs> Go balls. Slay 104.5, the zone, the SEC network, brought to you by Zach England, the best of Brock. Zach's got your back, best personal injury attorney in Chattanooga, and it's really not close. He can go toe to toe with those insurance company lawyers. Coming up, we've got a full recruiting update with our own Caleb Giroux, and he has been knocking it out of the park. Go to Off the Hook Sports if you want to read about future balls because they are there. I want to remind you, Zul Beer is the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports. That's xulbeer.com. Zulbeer.com. Zul Beer has great parking downtown. You don't hear that a lot. And they've got worldwide award-winning craft beer. That's Zul Beer Company. We're back in two minutes with more recruiting news than you can pack into one segment. But we're going to try. But we have no time limits. So we'll go as long as we want. Two minutes, lots of crouton. Next, this is Off Those Sports. Sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassies, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalists for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 
Welcome back. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. It's kind of weird to think about Vincent Yarbrough that he was involved with two of the greatest players of all time and it didn't go well for him. I will say this, and Ron alluded to this. Ron was said that he that Vincent Yarbrough was incredibly athletic and, and physical. I'm going to say something that you're going to think is crazy, Caleb. Vincent Yarbrough, his athleticism and body top was almost a clone of Michael Jordan. Now, I'm not saying that anybody or Vincent or me or you or Caleb Giroux, who's going to come on, had the drive of Michael Jordan to maximize all that ability. But he physically, 6'6", top of frame, long, could shoot, big hands. I thought there were a lot of similarities, just physically, just physically. I know I can start sound sound sacrilegious to say this, but physically there were a lot of similarities, I thought, between the two. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that. And I I had always been shocked in the past why Vincent Yarbrough didn't work out. I think he was like the highest rated recruit Tennessee basketball ever landed. Um, And I think a couple of things that held him back was his free throw shooting was never – you know, Michael Jordan was always in the 80 percentile and 80 percent range in free throw shooting. So if he drove to the basket and got fouled, he was hitting his shots. I think Vincent Yarbrough was in the 60s and low 70s. And the other thing was, and I would ask you, did Vincent have Michael's vertical and did he have Michael's speed? I mean, Michael ran a full was clocked. Roy Williams says Michael Williams, Michael Jordan clocked a four, three, 40 in college. And I'd never heard that. that. That's that's pretty rarefied air. No pun intended. So I would say that probably not vertical. I thought that Vince was right up there. That was the thing about Jordan and Kobe both is I don't think they did anything that was just the best of all time. They did everything that was in the 90th percentile, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, I think Michael Jordan's athleticism was the best of all time. To be 6'6 and have a 48-inch vertical and run a 4-3-40, imagine him playing wide receiver in the NFL. Oh, he would have been great. He would have been great. <laughs> well, I – Kobe, you're right. I, I don't, you're like, I don't Kobe's know. Not, Kobe's I don't not top five all time. I don't know how to say this in a nice way. Vincent wasn't very tough. Is that the nicest way I can say it? Which is funny because Ron Slay, I remember, was extremely tough. And... Uh, yes, he was. I mean, there was a point that Buzz Peterson wanted to toughen Vincent Yarbrough up, and he left the practice court crying. So there we go. Um, so, I mean, maybe it was a tough practice. I don't know. I'm more likely you to imagine leave. him being Michael Jordan's teammate. That wouldn't have gone over well. Yeah, super guy, super guy, great player. But I mean, not everybody's wired like that. I don't, I don't mean. Please, Elias, don't tell him that that you're posting on the message board that you know Vincent. I don't mean it in the bad way. Click the like button. All right, let's bring in Caleb Jaru, who's uh, ready to go, ready to knock out some crude news. We've even got this brand new uh, special intro that's actually like eight months old, and I just now am using it. Talking Cruden. Am I right or am I right or am I right? Who's on Tennessee's board? The names you need to know exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker. All right, Caleb. So tell me, there we go, what uh, what's going on with Tennessee Cruden as the Vols threw out a ton of offers over the past couple of days. I guess they're getting revved up for the spring, have some people in for spring practice and then summer camp is a big recruiting month unlike it used to be so what's what's tennessee thinking handing out all these offers well this 
February dead period, it's kind of weird because especially for these 2025 kids, they're receiving offers from Tennessee, but they've never personally spoken with the coaches. It's just like Tennessee's coaches giving offers to their high school head coach. So that always makes it kind of weird. But it seems like they've been hitting it hard, especially in the Maryland, Virginia area, which is Kelsey Pope and a couple grad assistants working up there. So that's where it seems they're putting a lot of emphasis right now, and they've been handing out a slew of offers recently. All right, let's start with a couple of those that uh, you have uh, spoken to. And I want to start with um, Antonio Coleman, a defensive lineman out of Alabama, gets an offer from the Vols. What do you think of the 2025 prospect? Yeah, and with a lot of these 2025 kids Tennessee has been offering, we talked about this before, but it used to be that if Tennessee didn't get in early, they probably couldn't compete with Alabama and Auburn and some of the schools in the SEC, I say Auburn, but Alabama, bigger schools that Ohio State that suck up these recruits. Well, Tennessee is now able to compete with those schools and getting in with these prospects early. So Antonio Coleman's an interior defensive lineman from Alabama. He's been taught – his head coach, I should say, has been talking to Alabama. They have interest in him. And Tennessee extended him an offer. And he's six foot two, 265 pounds. And something he told me is that when he gets to college – he wants to be that force in the middle of the defensive line, that anchor that you know that if they try to run it up the middle, you have that guy there to stop him. So Chris Jones is one of his inspirations. He talked about Aaron Donald, too, when I talked to him. So he's a guy that wants to lock down the middle of the defensive line. And we know in the SEC that offensive linemen and defensive linemen really win and lose your games. You mentioned Virginia. Let's go there. Defensive back Remington Moss. Great name. Any relation to Remington Steele? the detective from the early 1980s, which was played by the guy who later played Bond. I can't remember his name. Anyway, Pierce Brosnan? Yeah. And, uh, or Randy Moss. How about that for an intro for a question? (laughs) I do not think so. But he's another guy from, from Virginia, and he wants, he's somebody who doesn't limit himself to corner. So he said he wants to be – he's listed as cornerback on rivals and on three, but he wants to be a defensive back. So for his high school, he's played safety corner, and he didn't give up a touchdown at either position all season. So he's a lockdown guy. And he said that when he received an offer from Tennessee, it kind of like took him a day to really think about the weight of it, and then he was super excited. And something that stood out to me and that I think a lot of um, older Tennessee fans will enjoy is he used Eric Berry in his post. And he said that Eric Berry is a guy who's a lockdown corner who went to Tennessee, and he's a guy that attracts his attention. He's somebody that he looks up to, really. And he's gotten 10 offers since November, and most notably he's talking to Ole Miss, Penn State, uh, Virginia Tech, Maryland, schools like that. And he's from St. Michael the Archangel Catholic High School in Fredericksburg, Virginia. So they have been hitting the, I guess, the DMV sort of area, that Maryland, Virginia area, super hard over this week. Uh, is it true that his nickname is Remington sticks to you like Moss? I do not think so. <laughs> that's from that's from that's from Elias. I've got to give that one up. That's li- pretty good. Well, I was gonna say we might have to bring that one up, huh? Yeah. Uh, ask him that. Say what do you think? Uh, yeah, just be Remington sticks like Moss. Like um, Lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We just need to work in a kudzu reference. Uh, sticking with <laughs> sticking with the DMV, Jaru, um, we got a Maryland prospect that, that the Vols have recently offered. We're going to have a post from you up on this a little bit later today. Um, 
am I pronouncing this right? Gianni Contosis uh, from Upper Marlboro, which is PG County. Sounds like um, something you need a pe- penicillin shot for. <laughs> um, what was that, that name again, Calhoun? Is, is that how I pronounce it? Gianni Contosis? I don't want to mispronounce the name. But... got a bad case of Gianni Contosis. He's never coming on the uh, interview with us. <laughs> That was terrible. We'll stick with Kentosis. So he's another one. And, I mean, you can't really read too much into these posts when they get offers. But he had Jalen Hyatt as his – because, you know, they post usually like a power tee and then a picture of a player. Well, he used Jalen Hyatt. So I uh, I asked him what his thoughts were on him, and he said that watching Jalen Hyatt succeed at Tennessee kind of just motivated him to be that same receiver when he gets to college. And another thing that stood out to me about him is his high school runs a very similar offense – Rock Christian Academy runs a very similar offense to Tennessee. So he said he loves their passing game and what Josh Heupel is doing really stands out to him. And which I really think whenever, like, you think about this with some five stars too, when Tennessee offers these receivers, it's almost like instant interest because why wouldn't you want to be a receiver in an up-tempo spread offense where you're going to be schemed open almost every down? So he's somebody who lines up outside mostly, but he could play slot as well. It's just a matter of where they need him. And he finished with uh, 917 yards and 11 touchdowns in nine games on 47 catches this past season. So he's a guy, these 2025 guys don't have rankings yet, but he's one I could see being ranked pretty highly. And he possesses a lot of raw skills. And obviously, Kelsey Pope and the Vols saw something in him to offer him. So, yep. All right, so uh, who else is out there that you've been keeping tabs on? So recently, we've had some uh, 2024 guys narrow down their choices. So Ify Obidigu, I probably butchered that. He's a Baltimore guy. But um, he's the number 158 prospect nationally in this class, and he's a cornerback. And he narrowed his choices down. He included Tennessee in his top schools, as well as Alabama, Maryland, Michigan, Oregon, USC, and Ohio State. So he's six foot one, 185, and the Vols hosted him in January at a junior day. And he really, really liked Tennessee, and he was super happy with what they were showing him. And like we saw this year, this team needs defensive backs. I think that'll be something we see as an emphasis in the 2024 class for sure in the transfer portal. I don't think they can get enough defensive backs to fill in because their secondary was pretty bad this past season, right near the bottom of FBS. So if they get a guy like a bit of you in 2024, he's somebody that could probably put in as a freshman if they still are lacking depth and lacking talent in the secondary. Another guy that narrowed his choices down too was a – Kylan Fox. He's listed as an athlete, but he mainly is a tight end or defensive end, an edge rusher. And so he listed it. It's a top 15, but um, SEC schools that he included in his top schools, Alabama, Florida, uh, South Carolina, Auburn, Ole Miss, and Tennessee. So he's out of Georgia. We saw Heifel have a lot of success recruiting out of Georgia. So he's a guy I'd watch. He's 6'4", 208 pounds. And something that we see with a lot of these prospects is when Deion Sanders – extend somebody a scholarship they almost take a visit the next week so he's the same way Colorado was in his top schools and it really doesn't Deion Sanders obviously didn't get in with a lot of these kids early because he just got to Colorado but with these 2024 kids he's all already in their top schools and hosting kids on a lot of visits so that's something I pay attention to and I feel like the Vols have a pretty good chance of landing him I assume he'll probably narrow his recruitment down before the season and he's probably a guy that may um, announce his commitment at signing day or a little bit before Let me ask you guys uh, something for the round table here. And that is, does the Deion Sanders thing get old at some point? I mean, he, he, let's remember he is a special transcendent, uh, transcendent type of player, but 
Yeah, he is an older guy. And if, if they don't win this season, does that sort of glean maybe wear off? Let me start with you, Calhoun, from a recruiting perspective only. Yes, because I, I think it does wear off if he doesn't win kind of fast because he he doesn't have – I don't think the recruiting connections that a lot of these coaches that are splash hires for recruiting have, for instance, you know, Penny Hardaway has not really lived up fully in Memphis in basketball, but Penny Hardaway has a lot of, yeah, but Penny Hardaway coached high school basketball for four years in Memphis. So he's got major, major recruiting connections. And as anybody who's covered Memphis tiger basketball knows that you can just recruit that city and that's it to build your team. Basically Penny Hardaway could fall flat on his face and win 20 games. Exactly. Just because there, there are there are Larry Finch before Penny Harder. Larry Finch in the 90s was known for this. All you had to do was just go to your backyard, find three, five, find three guys and start them. And so Deion Sanders, you can't go find guys in your backyard in Colorado. That's not like a football state. And so he's he doesn't have and I don't think he has the recruiting contacts that people think he has. Well, I would open up that Compton pop line again, um, you know, that he would go into L.A. and he would sell parents. I'm sorry, Bill McCartney would go into L.A. and he would sell parents on the fact that you can get out of L.A. where, where your son's going to face dangers day in and day out, just going to and from school. So I would I would try to open up that um, as well. But you're right. There's not a lot of prospects there. Um, I, I wonder, especially um, Jaru in, in the DMV which we're talking about DC, uh, Maryland and Virginia. That's, that's a long trip. I mean, that's, that's still quite a ways across, uh, across the globe. And I I wonder if kids are going to be willing to go that far away. You know, I, I think if Deion Sanders puts out results, so if we, I don't know if we'll see that this year, but maybe two years down the road, if he has guys in the draft or, uh, like maybe Travis Hunter would be a good example. Maybe if he ends up, you know, number one prospect, if he ends up panning out and going to the NFL, then I feel like Deion Sanders might pitch that to other kids. But you talk about being a far, a long ways away. Nico Imaliva came from California to Knoxville. True. So, and the DC, I don't, I'm not a meteorologist or anything, but I feel like DC to Colorado, the climates really aren't very different because I feel like there's snow once a week up there as well. So you think about that, and I really feel like if the kid wants to go to the school, likes the coach, likes what they're putting out there, I don't think travel will be that big of an issue for most guys. Well, true. And pot's legal. Yeah, and pot's legal in both places, too. That's true, but I also have to bring it up, I just realized that Ja Rule is – you just exposed how far from the south you are. You're from Louisiana, right? Mm-hmm. You, you would think D.C. and Colorado have similar climates. They don't. <laughs> I tried. D.C. is – in the summer, D.C. actually feels like a southern city because of the humidity because it's in a swamp. Um, and That's it doesn't horrible. snow as much sure. in the uh, winter as other places. But, look, I, I get it. I well, the point – Nico, I feel like it probably – like today it's 60 degrees and sunny and tomorrow it's going to be 40 degrees and raining. I feel like Nico probably didn't get a lot of that in California. So, yeah, he, he wanted to play for Josh Heupel. If a kid in D.C. wants to play for Deion Sanders, I feel like he'll go and play for Deion Sanders. <laughs> You know, the other thing that's a moot point now is used to say, well, can the family get out there to see the kid play? Well, with NIL money, that that can be – you can make accommodations easily and take care of that. So that's one of the questions. Not It was always not necessarily the kid going. 
it was the family. Can they see him play? I think it'll be interesting to see the non-conference opponents that Deion Sanders lines up and who wants to play him. Can he get a game in the South at some point, a home-and-home home where he gets exposure from a recruiting standpoint? That's what I would be trying to do if I were him or Texas or anywhere else, especially with the Pac-12 blowing up. Anybody else we haven't mentioned? Uh, Tennessee prospects on, on your board, Jaru? Yeah, so I want to talk about uh, Bennett Warren. He's a 2024 offensive tackle out of Texas. And okay. he's six foot seven, three hundred and five pounds. Golly bum. So this this kid is massive and he's not ranked yet, but he's received fifteen offers since January eighteenth. So less than a month ago, Tennessee offered him on January eighteenth, and since then he's gotten fifteen more offers. So he's getting a lot of attention fast. And Texas A and M is the school to beat for him because he has friends. He's from Sugarland, Texas. He's got friends who go to Texas A and M and that's the only place that he's had a unofficial visit to so far and he said he really liked it and it was awesome but Tennessee he said he has a great relationship with the coaches particularly he mentioned uh LRB the offensive line coach he said he really likes him and they've talked a lot so he's a guy that's going up a lot of people's boards very fast and I mean I don't think anybody would say no to a six foot seven 300 pound offensive tackle nope uh, sounds good. Uh, we look forward to your coverage at Off the Hook Sports. Uh, keep it up. Uh, certainly appreciate it. And uh, Tennessee, with this dead period, is still very active as everyone is. So, uh, Jaru, we appreciate Oh, and also you'll have a weekly uh, look at Tennessee's baseball team that we're really looking forward to, and that'll be out uh, this afternoon. So, thank you, sir. Yep, and then that'll have a – I did like a little projected lineup, which for the infield, it's about set for baseball, but the outfield and catcher, it's still up in the air. So they start on Friday and I know I'll be tuned in. So it be fun Sweet. to watch. Sweet. Um, maybe we'll get a one finger salute surrounding second base. <laughs> what, was the guy, so. what was the one recruits name? Co- Colitis? What was it? What was it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. What was it? Contosis. 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 Okay, I feel as if we're getting that incorrect, but that's just a guess. Contosis. Hey. It reminds me, do you remember the commercial simple chronic halitosis talking about bad breath? Do you remember that, Caleb? Calhoun? No. Oh. Simple chronic <laughs> contosis. Yeah, it was about people who had bad breath. I'm sure his breath is fantastic, so is yours, Jarvis. Well, listen, you. if he comes to if he comes to Tennessee, you'll have to get Start practicing on his name, I guess. Yes, like we have with Nico. See, Nico, yep. I got it every time. Thank you, Jaru. Y'all have a good one. I appreciate one, it. Uh, one of the first rankings for Tennessee football is out, and this one is more statistically based than all those way too early projections that you're going to see. I want to break that down? Brought to you by Craft Treats. Craft Treats as the CBD treats that are phenomenal. Craft Treats, use the promo code off the hook, off the hook. Use the promo code off the hook. You get 20% off and you're going to love it because Craft Treats as the CBD treats, the chill pills that'll help your dog's digestive issues or your cat's uh, uh, anxiety issues. Also, they're fantastic with arthritis. So CraftTreats.com, use the promo code off the hook and they have other non-cbd pet treats as well what do you think about tennessee and the latest uh, ranking that has come out via espn uh caleb break down where the balls stand and what you think 
Yeah, this uh, came out yesterday with Bill Connolly. I, I gotta get, I gotta send that guy a shout out. He does a lot of great all season work, and I'm just, I'm just, we're t- discussing him a lot. So shout out to Bill Connolly for the great work he does. Shout out to Bill Connolly. Um, he, uh, this, these are the SP Plus projections, which they get updated over the year. They take into account returning production, recent recruiting, and recent history. Uh, probably a pretty effective way to determine how teams are going to do the next year. Tennessee came in number six. Um, they are number two in offensive SP plus rankings, which is a bit surprising given the losses. And here's the real shock, though. This may be more surprising. They're number 32 in SP plus defense. I thought they'd be like number 70. Um, and so what them, all does this factor in? So it factors in returning production, your recent recruiting, and also recent history. Um, so... All of that together, you know, I again, it's not fully clear where transfers factor in with those two, but um, it does factor in basically the what what's expected of the talent you brought in, the amount of what you're returning, which he already tracked Tennessee's returning production last week. And then it just looks at what you did recently, which I mean, those are still effective ways to measure how teams going to be going forward. And so he has Tennessee just just for context last year. Tennessee was number 10 in SP plus rankings. They weren't in the top five in any preseason polls and SP plus had them at number 10. SP plus was the most accurate on that. Um, so they've got them at six right now. Who are the five six. teams ahead of them? So ahead of them is Penn state at number five, Alabama at number four, Michigan at number three, Ohio state, number two, and Georgia at number one. Okay. Let's play a little game. Uh, no doubt. Don't know. No way. No doubt, don't know, no way. I'm going to ask you those five teams, um, and will you throw them at me? Uh, no doubt, don't know, no way. No um, doubt about whether or not Tennessee will be better than them? Tennessee is better than them. I don't know, or no way they're better than them. So start with number one. All right, number one, Georgia. Uh, no way as of yet. I don't think this is the year that Tennessee beats Georgia. I can't make an argument that Tennessee should be rated ahead of Georgia What uh, after what happened last year. I agree. Ohio State. Um, I'm going to say no doubt they should be rated a, a ahead of Ohio State. I'm going to say don't know yet. I agree with you no way with Georgia. I think talent-wise Ohio State is ahead of Tennessee, but I don't think Ryan Day's that good of a coach, quite honestly. And Agreed. I think- He's getting exposed, and I just have to say, I, I said this before, Ohio State should be like LSU. You should be able to fall out of bed and have top five teams every year. Without, I mean, you should just be able to be a mascot and have a top five team as a coach. Um, Great. Breaking so, news, Ryan Day just called his timeout that he had left over from the college football playoff. <laughs> All right, so who's number three? No doubt, don't know, no way. Uh, number three is Michigan. No doubt Tennessee's should be Tennessee should be ranked ahead of them. I'm not gonna say better. I'm gonna say should be ranked ahead, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I agree. How many times are we gonna watch Michigan win the Big Ten and realize they are not on the level of elite teams? The only reason they beat Ohio State is because Jim Harbaugh is a better coach than Ryan Day. But Ohio and State- how much of and how much of our perception has been altered by the way Joe Milton played, as it should be in the Orange Bowl. Yeah, uh, um, I think it's altered our perception a lot, mainly because it reset the clock. And again, the question is now, okay, if teams do cover the middle of the field, look, we talked about this last a few weeks ago. 
Hendon Hooker couldn't make those passes over the middle of the field. This is an area where Joe Milton's actually better than Hendon Hooker. Yeah, and, and if you don't catch it, it's going to go through your chest. Yeah, exactly. So who's four? Um, all right, so number four is Alabama. Still a quarterback issue and changes at both coordinators. I'm going to say don't know. I mean, I, if you would have asked me the day after the Alabama game when Tennessee won, what's going to happen in Tuscaloosa, I would have said the balls are going to get their comeuppance and it's going to be a revenge game. But if you're asking me right now with the changeover that they've had, it's a don't know. I think Tennessee could hang. It's a don't know. Um, I think it's a don't know as well. I think, and here's the big part about the don't know, and I'm going to make a very, very, very hot take, and I'm just going to say it. Nick Saban is extremely below average at managing quarterbacks. Always has been. Uh, Dating back to 2000 when he started Josh Booty over Rohan Davey for three games. And Nick Nick Saban is the worst at managing quarterbacks. 2015, Alabama's only loss was when he decided to start Cooper Bateman over Jake Coker for a game, the dumbest quarterback decision I've ever seen. Doesn't manage him well. He might be stupid enough to start Jalen Milrow over Ty Simpson. So, so Caleb, let me ask you this. If we were doing one of those way too early predictions, where would you have Tennessee nationally? Because every we've gotten all five of them in, right? No, no, there's one more. Sorry. Okay, one more. Sorry. Oh, Penn State, <laughs> ridiculous. See, in my mind, I already <laughs> crossed that one off the list. That's why I thought we had all five of them in. Tennessee will be better than Penn State. That is a no doubt. They should be ready to the head of Penn State. I understand this is an analytical thing, so I'm not knocking um, them for putting it together. But Tennessee will be better than Penn State this year. Yeah, and who do you trust to make, like, halfway intelligent decisions in a tight game? Not James Franklin. Franklin. (laughs) Yes. James Franklin is the worst clock man. He's he's Andy Reid of college and clock management. I know Andy Reid has two Super Bowls, but we all know Andy Reid is terrible with clock management. <laughs> okay, so where would you have Tennessee if you were uh, doing the way too early? Okay, if we're doing way too early, I would still have Tennessee around the eight to nine range. And, and, and I'll tell you, because there's some teams I would have ahead of them. And because I would, I would have Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama ranked ahead of them. I think you have to have those three ranked ahead of them. Okay. Um, teams that Tennessee's ahead of in the SP Plus rankings – Based on recruiting right now, I've got LSU ahead of them, and I've got well, actually, maybe they aren't. Maybe I got them at number five. Who else am I putting ahead of them? I think LSU might be the only other team. And we're gonna have, I, to, we're gonna have to hold an off-air convo about this and, f- and figure this out, figure this out because I'm not exactly sure where I would have them. I think it would be at the five mark, but that sounds on the surface level high right? <laughs> yeah. the surface level it sounds a little bit high portions of the program brought to you by our friends at city heating and air conditioning city heat and air.com for over 50 years city heating and air conditioning has provided these tennesseans with honest dependable heating and cooling service honest integrity matters you don't necessarily have to have a whole new hvac unit sometimes it's just a little part or freon they can take care of that city heating and air conditioning city heat and air.com For Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Like and subscribe.